What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Field Stormers. Took a week off. We're back. But before we get into anything, I do want to say my condolences to Mississippi State, the Leach family, and Mike Leach. Obviously, you know, um, anybody who follows college football knows that Mike Leach passed due to some heart issues on Monday night. Um, so I definitely, my condolences out. Walker, I know you're a lot closer to like the situation down there. Um, you kind of had some inside info prior to his passing where, you know, this was kind of expected and to die at all is never easy to deal with, but to pass at 61, like that's not crazy old to me. Like 61, I still feel like you have a lot of life left in front of you more behind you than in front, but I still think you have plenty of life left in front of you. So 61 is never an age to have to say goodbye to anyone, but Walker, um, would you like to speak on Mike Leach at all? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it was a tremendous loss for the sport. Um, Mm -hmm. He was one of the all time characters and great people in college football. Uh, And I've, you know, taken a lot of joy in just reading a lot of the stories and how he positively impacted so many people within the sport, whether it was media, whether it was coaches. Uh, I mean, even Lincoln Riley's story about he was playing <clears throat> playing at Texas Tech for Leach. Uh, and Leach was like, hey, like, listen, just be shooting you straight. Like, you're never going to play it down here. So how about you just become a student coach? Yeah. And, like, that worked out pretty well for Lincoln Riley, I would say. Yeah. Uh, Stuff like that, like hearing a lot of the stories and just some of like the positive impacts he's had just over the years. Um, it's just such a tremendous loss for the sport. Uh, everyone here in the state's been grieving and mourning with Mississippi State, um, with the Leach family, with their children, with his wife. And, you know, my condolences to all of them. Um, you know, the sport will never be the same without Mike Leach in it. I found myself last night just watching highlights <clears throat> highlights from some of their old games when he was at Texas Tech uh, just because those teams were so good. And, like, he was so innovative and ahead of the curve. Like, he was legitimately a pioneer in the sport. Like, he was always, you know, there was always a box for offense, and Leach was, like, three clicks outside the box doing some stuff that nobody had ever even thought of. The guy was running RPOs in 2008. Yeah. Um, so it's a tremendous loss for the sport from a football standpoint, from an all-time good good guy standpoint, um, from a character standpoint. So uh, my condolences with Mississippi State, the Leach family, um, his children, uh, and any and everybody just grieving uh, grieving this loss. So it's a tremendous loss. Yeah, one hundred percent. So you know, condolences to the Mike Leach family, Mississippi State, and everybody else mourning the loss of Mike Leach around the college football world. So we're going to jump straight in. Transfer portal. Let's get to it, Walker. So the transfer portal is insane right now. There are some ballers in the transfer portal looking for new homes. There are some teams looking for those ballers. They're in competition. NIL plays a big factor nowadays. Um, Money plays a factor with where guys will go. Uh, I think the NIL perspective of how important it is is getting a little out of hand. I don't think people realize it it doesn't mean as much as people think, Um, but it does have an impact. It will um, 100%, especially some of these proven players that these businesses know what they're getting. Uh, I think the value is at quarterback anyway. Outside of that, a lot of guys are not getting what they're seeking, even though 
in the recruiting process and in the transfer portal process, everybody's been saying the first question a player asks is about the money, about the NIL. What's the opportunities for me to maximize my value at your university? But the transfer portal is nuts right now. I mean, there are ballers. How is the transfer portal basically being college football free agency impacted college football um, in your eyes? And how impactful is it this year? Because there's some guys who we thought might go to the NFL that entered the transfer portal. There's some guys that were studs on their teams that entered the transfer portal. And, and I won't even say one man's trash is another man's treasure because it's not schools making cuts. It's players deciding to find other opportunity. Um, but how is it impacting college football in, in recruiting? Because it does play a factor on recruiting. Yeah. I mean, but uh, I mean, players control the entire market now. Like, you know, some guys that are in the portal are going to go back to their original school because they're just putting their name in there almost to see what the price is somewhere else. Um, I know that's true for sure with at least one player close to home here for me. Um, you know, I think a lot of people are treating it like free agency. And if they have a good solid year, then they're going to opt out and gauge what they can get financially in another place. And, mm-hmm. if, and you know, uh, they'll go back to their original school and say, like, listen, here's the price. You can match it or I'll walk. And I think a lot of guys are going to walk and a portion are going to go back. Um, but, I mean, there's just – it's hard for coaches. Um, they're recruiting – not only are they recruiting high school players and transfers, but now they're recruiting their own kids. Uh, because, like, you're going to have to try to recruit kids back onto your team for next year and try to keep them out of the portal. Mm-hmm. So – and with no limits, really – you know, the only limit on the roster is being 85 now, like the whole 25 man signing class is basically no more. Uh, you know, it could be like, you could see programs rosters just in complete turmoil by, uh, by the second transfer window, just because, you know, you could not do a great job recruiting high school kids and have a small class. You could not do a great job of recruiting transfers and have a small class. And then a bunch of your players could get in the portal. So that's where we're at. Um, there's a ton of talent in the portal, and this is only – I mean, it's December 15th. The portal has been open for 10 days. Um, it's been open for 10 days, and this is the first window this season. So there will be another transfer window after uh, spring practice uh, where a lot of those guys who have their jobs taken by transfers or uh, just a new coach comes in, ah, this isn't going to work, um, and they decide to get in the portal later um we'll have that and i guess i think it's in april but yeah i mean that's where we're headed like i think i was listening to another podcast at some point where they said they were expecting six thousand kids at the portal by the time it was all said and done and two-thirds of those kids are just gonna have to like drop down to the fcs level because like a lot of them aren't gonna find homes so yeah. i think i think that we're in the beginning of what will eventually become a market correction where kids will realize like, damn, like if I get in the portal, that doesn't mean I'm just going to like hop over to, you know, if I'm at Tennessee and I get in the portal, that doesn't mean I'm going to hop over to South Carolina and they're just going to have a spot for me. Yeah. Like that's, I think once that happens, I think it'll kind of correct itself. Um, but for now it is complete and utter mass chaos. Uh, I mean, I know Ohio state's after it pretty hard in the portal. I mean, Ole Miss is pretty hard after it in the portal. Like, I think Ole Miss had six portal visitors over the last three days uh, on campus in Oxford. So, it's just – it's all over the place. And then, you know, high school national signing day is six days away. Yeah. So, like, all of that – I mean, imagine being a coach at Florida right now. Like, you've got to play a bowl game in two days. 
and national signing days not national signing day of four days after that and the portal is also open just nuts yeah and it's Mad. one of those okay so here's i think in in now, I haven't heard a lot of people touch on this, so this is just a personal thought, and then I, I want to hear your thoughts on it. So I think this is the biggest advantage slash disadvantage for teams in the college football playoff right now. And I here's why I say it's an advantage. Because guys in the transfer portal, you can have, you know, in-facility visits, basically. They could come. And so right now, the four teams preparing for the college football playoffs are having the intense practices, the full rosters there, every coach fully engaged, like the practices, the way things go, the, tra- the tradition, the, in- the everyday life of these co- four college football playoff teams has still continued because they're playing for a national championship. And so I think like when you bring in transfers and like this is what you're getting into, you, you know, they're going to play it light, but at the same time, like they're competing, like they're competing in practice. It's, it's not easy. It's not like, Oh, let's get this bowl game over with. Like, no, we're, we're at practice. We're at work to compete for a national championship. So that's why I think it's an advantage is when you bring these guys in and you get to still see even right before national signing day, like some of these guys might take a last minute visit. You know, Mateo Ui Ungalile is making a visit. Like he just left uh, making a visit with Ohio state just recently. Um, and so while they're at practice, you got to get to see like the intense things because it's, it's intense right now. And I know some teams are preparing for bowl games, like they're preparing for a regular game, but some teams don't even have their full roster. They're in the portal right now. Well, I think it's a disadvantage is this is another aspect. I have to focus as a coach while preparing for the college football playoffs. So I have to be fully engaged in the playoffs, right? Like I have to be fully engaged in preparing to try and win a national championship while also engaging with my current recruits that are committed to make sure that they still plan on signing with me on national signing day. That's already a tough job for these four teams year in and year out. It doesn't matter what four teams are in. That's always tough for them. But then on top of that, I still have to, because I've been paying attention to these high school athletes that I got coming in all year, and I just got to keep engaging with them to make sure on National Signing Day they're going to sign that letter of intent with us still, and there's not going to be a last-minute flip. But on the other aspect, there's a part of me that has to focus on what we're losing this year, what we have for next year, and what I didn't get as far as a commitment can I go get in the transfer portal. So it adds like that third aspect that already makes a a tough job of being a college football head coach. It makes it even tougher because now you might have to make a visit. Maybe this transfer that you got your full eye on is like making his round on schools. And is like, I'd consider Ohio state, but like there's a corner that that's coming out of Virginia tech. And that's specifically like he has interest in Ohio state. Ohio state has interest in him, but there's been reports and rumors that like they're not pushing for him the way he wants them to like in, it's hard to they're preparing for to play for a national championship or compete to go to a national championship by playing in the college football playoff. So there's an advantage and a huge disadvantage. So I just think it makes like a Jim Harbaugh and Ryan day and Kirby smart and Sonny Dykes job even tougher right now, because their full focus typically could be like in that process before we start practice, keep in touch with these recruits. A, you know, y'all come to the college football playoff after sign, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then fully lock in. But now, like, part of you has to be dialed into the transfer portal, and these players want to feel wanted when they're leaving one school and going to the next. So what do you think about the advantage and disadvantage? Was that wrong? Do you agree? I think – I mean, I think 
I mean, I do think there's advantages if you're not in the playoffs, just because, quite frankly, your games are less meaningful. Um, but I also think, too, that there's a lot to building program momentum. And for teams that aren't in the playoff, like, no matter what TCU does in that semifinal game against Michigan, that program has momentum. Like, they're on the upswing. Like, they made a playoff as a Big 12 team. Like, that's like that's pretty – that's incredibly hard to do. It doesn't happen very often. And yeah, so, they did it in Big 12, not named Oklahoma. Right. And so, you know, I think, though, for schools, like, like I'll use Ole Miss as an example, eight and four playing on, like, December 28th against Texas Tech. Who cares? Um, but, like, if you lose that game, like, you lose momentum as a program – and I think, you know, that's that's kind of what makes bowl games, I guess, a little bit still meaningful is because just the perception of your program based on one game is still there. Yeah. And so I think that – and I think with the portal, as we get into January, because really, like, in this first window, kids don't have to be enrolled in classes until the drop ad date at their respective university, uh, which I know here it's like January – like or it's like February the 3rd or something like that. Um, so if like, it's going to be easier to recruit off of the bowl and off of momentum and stuff like that. So I actually think there's a little bit of a little bit of an advantage for playoff teams, just because you can go in and be like, Hey, listen, we played in the college football playoff. Like we're going back next year. Um, you know, come be a part of that. Whereas, you know, seven and five Florida has to walk into the same transfers room and be like, yeah, we played in the Las Vegas bowl and Oregon state beat us 31 to 10. Yeah, I mean, I'm there is an advantage. I just was saying, like, I feel like the disadvantage is for the head coaches, like, not necessarily for the program. Yeah, maybe a little bit, but I mean, I feel like they're all still preparing for bowl games. I think that the only advantage is like, you know, Billy Napier is losing time on the front end, and then once they play Saturday, like, he'll be able to turn around and basically spend a full month just going at it, like a full month to six. And that's why I find the disadvantage for like the college football playoff teams is because like they're practicing now. Like we're yeah. basically almost two weeks away, a um, little over two weeks. We're like nine days away from the college football. So they, they got to be dialed in and practice as well. Yeah, but, on the flip though, but on the flip though, on the high school side, you know, Florida is going to be on the field playing a game while probably like other teams are calling their, like calling the kids that are committed to them and recruiting the hell out of them four days before signing day. And there's nothing Florida can do to counter it because Florida's having to prepare for a bowl game and play a bowl game. So like, I think where they have the advantage in the transfer portal in the February high school class, just by having some of that time, while other teams are playing. They also lose though, going into this early December period or December signing day, which is when I would say like 75, 80% high school kids sign now, like most mm-hmm. kids try to just get it done and get it out of the way early. Um, so you have that problem with – I mean, you have that problem when you're a school playing in those early bowl games. But, I mean, that's I think it's a give and a take. I think when they put the windows in, that was the thought process. Like some teams, yeah. you know, there's going to be advantages and disadvantages for everybody. Um, and I think that's part of the effort to kind of like level the playing field. Yeah, so before we start talking about some of these bowl games, can I, can I just say one thing? Hey, listen, y'all, I know you're 17, 18 years old. And this is probably the biggest moment of your life up to date, man. Can we cut the whole picking up hats and dropping it shit? Like, can, can we, it's played out like back in, like, because it's been going for so long now. And it's like, Oh, I'm gonna pick up the hat. Nah, I got you. Like, bro, it's not even like, it's not even building suspense. Like 
somebody do it signing while in a hot tub or something like like bring something like that back like sign in the hot tub with a gold chain on or something i don't know but can we stop the picking up three four hats before you finally pick what school like that shit's annoying i'm gonna be honest because it's played out and everybody's like oh it's not even cool no more like it, it was a it was a fad that ran its course like that that picking up the hats is like a fanny pack like so can we just stop that? I'm, I just had to get that off my chest, Walker. And signing day is coming up, and we're going to see a bunch of that crap go viral. And it's yep. just, it's annoying. That's so, right. <laughs> it's annoying. So we're going to talk about some bowl games, right? And we're not going to talk about the playoffs right yet. We're going to talk about the bowl games. There's a lot of games that matter. There's a lot of games that are intriguing. There's a lot of games that are exciting. Me and Walker are, I feel like, deep college football fans so you might consider us like demonic or satanic for some of the games that we would be willing to watch looking forward to watch or even the reasons and why we would watch them so walker i'll start with you we'll kind of go back and forth with the game so give me a game that you're interested in watching should i get the marshall uconn thing out of the way now go um, ahead go ahead yeah, UConn. this UConn. is satanic six team from stores they're playing in the I think they're playing in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. I think they're playing on the teal field, uh, and I think it's next Monday. It's like one thirty. Perfect game for if you actually have an office job to put it on your computer and not do anything all afternoon. Um, UConn, though, Jim Mora goes up there, resurrects the program. They go 6-6, six and six, beat a couple of Power 5 opponents in year one. Uh, Marshall and Doc Holliday always get up for bowls. Uh, I, I think UConn's going to travel really well. Like, it's an East Coast game where a lot of those fans will be able to make that trip. Um, so hopefully the Huskies have a good crowd because I think the game's going to be really tight. And I just think it's cool when these programs that have been, quite frankly, dog water um, get to a bowl game and can find a way to, like, kind of generate a little bit of momentum for the program, especially since more is in year one. This isn't like he's been there for 10 years and then, like, they just happen to have a team and they'll go back to being terrible next year. Like, uh, it seems like there's something – Kind of legitimate brewing there. Um, kind of legitimate brewing there as far as uh, him starting to get that program moved in the right direction. Uh, and then the other one I told you, Washington, Texas. Like, I'm in on that. Like, Alamo Bowl, Dome, it's going to be a fast track. Two explosive offenses. There will be very little defense played. I think the two teams are really evenly matched. Um I really look forward to Like, I just really look forward to watching bowl games get crazy. Like, that's really what we watch them for. Like, yeah. And I'm still out on I, or I'm still on the fence about going to that game. I may drive up to San Antonio and actually go to that game. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, I mean, Texas, Texas minus four and a half. The over under is sixty nine. Like, yeah, it's gonna be. It's gonna be like like last year to me. One of my favorite two of my okay. Bias wise, one of the best bowl games last year was Ohio State and Utah. Period. Point blank. But the other one to me that take away the bias that I enjoyed was Tennessee and Purdue. It was a shootout, fast track, Hendon Hooker was, was, you know, nothing but offense. I think it was the over-under was, I don't remember what the over-under was, but they were both finished in the 40s. I think Tennessee ended up scoring 50, um, but I know they were both in the 40s and it was a shootout the whole game. And so you're like, oh, like last year, Tennessee and Purdue, are they even relevant? And it's like, yeah, but those two, they're power five schools. You know, they got some athletes and those kind of games are like, man, like, you know, it was like watching North Carolina Appalachia State this year. Like, I have no stake in this game. I could care less who wins. I just want to see good football. I want to see a shootout. Give me points. Give me touchdowns. And that's what you've yeah. seen, like, watching North Carolina versus Appalachia State this year. So, um, I do you know the last time? Do you know the last time Washington played in the Alamo Bowl? 
No. It's 2011. You know who their coach was? No. Steve Sarkeesian. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> the final, you want to know what the final score of that game was? They played Baylor. Uh, they played Baylor, whose quarterback was Robert Griffin the third at that point. The final score of that game was 67 to 56. <laughs> like, I want to see, like, I want to see that. Like, if I'm going to sit here and I'm going to watch, you know, I'm going to watch these bowl games with, against, like, teams that I either typically wouldn't watch or I'm looking for something else, that's what I want to see. Like, I, I, it ain't about looking for draft stock, none of that. Like, Penix throw seven touchdowns. Like, I want to see that. Like, so, um, one of my bowl games is Florida versus Oregon State. Um, and I'm intrigued to see what Jack Miller like I, I'm intrigued to see what he's gonna look like. Um, you know, he was a former. He was at Ohio State, transferred out. Um, I don't think he was ever really gonna have a shot at this point to play at Ohio State. I think Kyle McCord kind of had won the backup quarterback job, and that's kind of why you know Jack Miller ultimately transferred because he was gonna be the third string, which means you probably lose out on the quarterback battle. When they spoke for him losing out on the backup, it's probably tough to ever win the starting job, even that once C.J. Stroud leaves. I'm assuming CJ Stroud is leaving like the rest of the world. So um we'll we'll don't see. Think he's coming back for, don't think he's coming back for unfinished business if they don't yeah, I mean, you know, there's like that 0.01% possibility, but I mean this dude's probably gonna be a top 10, 12 pick for sure. So I wouldn't come back either. Um, but yeah, I want to see what Jack Miller looks like. Like, you know, Anthony Richardson declared for the draft. Um, he's getting ready for the draft, he's not gonna play in this game. Jack Miller's gonna get the start. So I just want to see what he looks like. What does Florida have next year? And, and you know, I told you pre-show because we kind of went over some of the bowl games. And I told you pre-show, I said, God forbid Jack Miller throws for 350 yards and four or five touchdowns because all the draft analysts are going to come out and be like, oh, my God. I think I, I genuinely think until combine time, Anthony Richardson's stock would take a little bit of a hit. For the simple fact, Jack Miller comes in, ain't played at all. We 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 gave Richardson the benefit of the doubt, no wide receivers, this and that. And then Jack Miller just comes and shreds Oregon State, who's a pretty decent team. Um, I think it would take a stock until he has an opportunity to show what showcase what he has on his pro day and combine. Um, another game that I'm looking forward to. Man, there's a bunch. Um, but Oregon and North Carolina. Uh, I think Oregon and North Carolina. Um, so far, I haven't heard that Drake May's not playing. Um, he is playing ne- coming back next year, which usually means it's like the CJ Stroud type of situation. Like yeah, when he put out the whole he put the he put out the whole once a Tar Heel always. Yeah, play. so he's going he's going to stay in North Carolina. But it's like like to me, Drake May watching him in this is like watching CJ Stroud last year at the Rose Bowl. Like you know he's going to play. We're waiting to see like what are you going to give us ne- for next year, whatever. And that's what, you know CJ Stroud. We got to see. JSM, Marvin Harrison Jr., like they put on a show. I think it could be like, you know, that could be intriguing. I think Bo Nix, he hasn't declared for the draft. He hasn't made a decision on what he's doing, right? He's coming back. So I don't so, think that's out there, but I think, but like, that's what I've heard is that I think he's planning on coming back. Yeah. So, and he hasn't declared for the draft that said he's not playing. So, as of right now, like, he's going to play in this bowl game. So, we're going to get a little Bo Nix versus Drake May. Um, neither team is great defensively. So, I think that's another like shootout that we can get is Oregon versus North Carolina. And like, I, that's what I want to see. Like this is bowl season. This is everybody's last game. Put it all out there. North Carolina just get killed. Like does Oregon just score a bazillion points on them. I could see a high scoring blowout. Like I, I really could see like a, like, does Oregon beat them like 63 to 28 or something. 
I, I could see a 63 to 42, like whole bunch of points. They hit over a hundred, but somehow, some way North Carolina still ended up getting um, blown out. Like, yeah, I could see that. Cause Oregon, I think is a lot better team than North Carolina. Um, North Carolina was started off really hot, hit that meat of their schedule where uh, pause, uh, but they hit that portion of their schedule where, um, you know, they had to play some real teams and that's when North Carolina kind of fell to the wayside. Um, but I think that would be a really good game. And then who else, who else, who else, who else? Some games have been taken away, obviously for the simple fact, like certain players aren't going to play. Uh, that's probably it for me. And then Penn state, Utah, I think the Rose bowl game, um, I'm not sure who all's going to play. Like I would imagine Sean Clifford's playing for Penn state, but who cares? I know Penn State, like Joey Porter Jr. is not going to play. Uh, he declared for the draft, and he's going to leave. But other than that, like the Rose Bowl game is always special. Like it's like the creme de la creme of, of you know, we got a special Rose Bowl with Utah participating. I know their uh, star corner isn't going to play, but I could see like most of their offense playing um, just because like, like I think Cam Rising will play, like whether he declares for the draft or is coming back or whatever. Like, I, I would see him, like, even if he was going to the NFL, like, I could see this being a stock-boosting game for him. Not that it'll put him in the first round or anything, but if you think he's, like, a fifth or sixth round pick, like, maybe you're, oh, we've seen something from him where it's the last show and I'm willing to take him in the fourth round or something like that. Like, it could be a stock-booster for, for guys like him. So, that, that and it's the Rose Bowl. Like, it's the granddaddy of them all. Uh, it'll probably no longer be considered that um, from here on out, but – this might be the last special game of the Rose Bowl as well. So I do think like the Rose Bowl, I think this could have like a not emotional, like we're going to sit and cry impact. But, you know, like this could be the last like meaningful Rose Bowl game as we know it. And it's been around for what, 100 years, over 100 years of yeah. Rose Bowl. So, yeah, that, and, and it tends to like when the Big Ten plays the Pac-12 in a bowl game, it always t- it never disappoints. I mean, Penn State played USC a few years ago back in like 2018 and that was a shootout uh, and that was a great game. Obviously Ohio state and Utah gave us a great game last year. So typically the Rose bowl pretty much is a good game. No matter who's playing, uh, it just seems to be a shootout and a nice output worth watching. So is there any other bowl game that your sick mind is thinking about watching? Give me two random teams. Cause I know you will. Oh yeah. Give me a second. There's definitely a couple other ones. Um, UTSA and Troy could be interesting. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Well, and, like, if you really want to go down the rabbit hole, um, tomorrow night, Incarnate Word plays North Dakota State. Um, and I'll be locked in. Oh, I'm watching that. that. Listen, I watched probably game of the year watching Incarnate Word play last week. Like, I Oh, uh, I'm interested in the 10 a.m. Fenway Bowl between Cincinnati and Louisville because Cincinnati just, because Cincinnati just hired Louisville's coach. Oh yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. Yeah, I mean, like they like there could be a ton of bad blood there. Like that could be a total like that could be a total street fight. Like that's gonna be fun. Like I'll be locked in for that. Um, yeah. I'm more look at like like stock boosters for guys. Like who am I? Like you know players to watch kind of thing because I'll, like I'll watch that for me BYU because there'll be a gazillion points between those two offenses. Yeah, like that that definitely could be a good one. God, we're already we are at bowl season. Like it, it's hard to fathom that college yeah. football just flew by this year. Oh, yeah. Um uh, let me I, I'm still looking. Uh there's a whole bunch of bowl games. Sorry guys. Uh 
Okay, so I'm going to close it out with this, and then we'll talk about a little bit of the college football playoff. Mississippi State, Illinois. Um, with the passing of Mike Leach, I think there's going to be a nice tribute going into that game. I think there's going to be a lot of respect from Illinois' side. Um, and I think in this bowl game, I think they'll do something special. Um, and I think Mississippi State will come to play, and, and this will be like an emotional game. Like, they're going to do it for Coach Leach. Um so that that's another one. I think there's a motion attached to just that game. I think a lot of the world will be watching just for that reason. Um, and I think, you know, it, it always seems like when something tragic happens, like when a team plays in the name of someone, they just play their hearts out. And you, it, and it's like, it, it, it's one of those, like being attached to the sport is just like, it's wonderful to watch sometimes. And so I think there's going to be a lot of respect shown by Illinois. You know, I think the coach is going to talk to, the newly hired coach at midfield, you know, prior to the game. Like, I think, I just think the players are going to have like Illinois is going to show a lot of respect to the players. And I just think that atmosphere is just going to be a lot of respect, a lot of remembrance and a lot of like, let do it for coach Leach. So I do think that's a game. Um, Spinning, they're playing in a bowl game uh, in a stadium that has a pirate ship on the, in the end zone. Yeah. And that's what everybody, yeah. That's what everybody was talking about. Uh, does feel like that does feel like that's a, cause that's uh, the old, that's the new, it's the old outback bowl. They're playing at Raymond James, right? Yeah, playing at Raymond James. Yeah, yeah the old Outback Bowl. I'm like the Relay of Quest Bowl, but that was the old. Yeah, Outback they had to. They changed the name for reasons that are beyond me. Yeah, I mean, I get it. So we're gonna move on. We never really reacted to the college football playoff. We're not over the next two weeks. We are gonna be covering this more in depth. Um, you know, they just started practice for the college football playoff, so we're not gonna give like a preview and predict winners and. It's just going to be like broad conversation about the college football playoff uh, before we close up out of here. But Georgia versus Ohio State, my beloved Ohio State, Michigan versus TCU. Walker, did you think we were going to get any different matchup? Uh, no, this is, what like, I thought was, this is what I thought was going to happen, but feared wouldn't happen. Like I felt like it was done correct. Um, I never really bought into the Alabama stuff. Neither did I. Like, if it was one loss, okay. But I'm just sorry. Two losses compared to one loss, it's just, it's not. And you didn't play. If Bama had played in their, even if they had played, like they were a one-loss team and lost in the in the SEC championship and got their second loss, like I get it, USC did the same thing and wasn't going to get in, but like Bama could get the benefit of the doubt there, then okay, like we're not going to penalize Bama. I feel like that would have been a scenario where had they been a one-loss team, uh, they still end up getting in. Because, like, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I felt like this was what it should have been the minute USC lost that Friday night to Utah. This is what I thought it should be. I felt like, um, did I see them? Did I see a world where they flipped Ohio State and TCU? Yes, I did. Um, I, I did see a world. Did I, would I have thought it was right? No. But did I see a world where, like, okay, we can build up this college football playoff on the back of a rematch between Michigan and Ohio State. Yes, I saw it as a possibility. Did I think it would happen? No. Did I want it to happen? Yes and no. Um, but I think, you know, kind of basically making Ohio State earn their keep by beating the best team in the country. Like, they're penal- they penalized Ohio State for not making their conference championship by giving them Georgia. Like, because you would have penalized TCU by giving TCU Georgia, even though they lost in their conference championship game and handled business in the regular season. So I feel like allowing Ohio State in, sneaking back in, 
But your punishment is, hey, you're going to have to get through Georgia. You want a shot at Michigan? We're not giving it to you right away. And I'm sure that wasn't necessarily the topic of conversation of how they went about seeding one through four. But at the same time, like, hey, if we're going to get this matchup, first off, both teams are going to earn it. But really, like Ohio State, you're going to have to get through Georgia if you want a piece back at Michigan before next year. Um, see, I, I never doubted TCU getting in. I just was like, who's three, who's four out of Ohio State and TCU? Like, that was the only question I had. I would have raged. I would have been outraged if TCU didn't get in and they let Alabama in. Like, I, I really would. I genuinely would have been pissed because, like, they went undefeated. It's not like we're talking two loss versus two loss, who's better, whatever. And I don't care about it. What did you think about Nick Saban campaigning on Saturday night on literally every platform? I think I tweeted this. I was like, there are like two other coaches in the country that get that privilege if they're battling for a college football playoff spot. Like he even like broke the ESPN deal. Like we're like the SEC because the SEC doesn't play on Fox usually. Yeah. Playing like a non-conference thing. And like, and he just like went on Fox and was like during the Big Ten championship game. I was like, here, let me tell you why we should be at the playoff. And he, bro, he even brought Vegas into it. Like, I know, he brought Vegas into it, if yeah. we step on the field, are we the favorite? Or are we the underdog? And I'm like, it, it was to me, it was a little bit of a pathetic moment for Coach Saban because it's like you went on like basically a day tour of like whatever platform is going to let me speak. I am going to get on here and I'm going to campaign and I will bring Vegas into it. I will do whatever I can. Are we going to be favored over Ohio State or are we the underdog? Would we be favored over TCU or are we the underdog? Like, and, and I just thought it was a little pathetic. Um, I, I thought it was a little pathetic low key that he went and campaigned. But like you said, like he is Nick Saban. He is probably the greatest college football coach of all time. Um, definitely of this era um, with no question about it. And so if anybody's going to get that benefit of the doubt, if anybody's going to get that opportunity, to pitch why they should be the, you know, in the college football playoffs, it would be Nick Saban. I'd almost think maybe Ryan Day, maybe Ryan Day would get that, and maybe Kirby Smart would get an opportunity like that. But I'm not sure. Like, I don't know if we were too lost and trying to campaign our way in. I'm not sure that Ryan Day would have been a would have been, you know, gotten calls. Um, from every conference championship game to pitch his way of why they should be in. So I did think that was a little pathetic. Anything else you have, you know, because we're going to, you know, this was a short episode. We had to get back to it, but we're going to break down over the next two weeks. We're going to go in depth. Obviously the week of the college football playoff, we're going to give our predictions and X factors and and this and that reasons why they'll win reasons why they'll lose next week. We're going to cover a little bit more in depth, but still very broad and talk about some of the, bowl games that have already been played and some of the favorite ones that we've watched so far, but anything else before we close out on the, the, the college football playoff? Go frogs. Go frogs. <laughs> and, and and anybody who's been following me or Walker or who has been listening to Phil Stormer since it launched this season, or if you listen to the up in flames episode um, preseason breaking down, cause that, you know, we did break down college football, like give a college football playoff preview. Walker did tell you guys to, take TCU to win the big 12. He did say that I could bring up the clip. It happened. Or you could go back and listen to the college football playoff preview on up in flames because Walker did tell everyone take TCU winning the big 12. Um, it didn't happen. They yeah, ended but up I hedged out and made a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. But, it, but they, they, they ended up going to the conference championship 
and you were what uh, basically an overtime away from being correct on dude. What- I was a correct officiating call from making Kansas State have to score a touchdown there in overtime. Like, yeah, so yeah, so down, it's like- one of those like you were correct on that, even though it could have been a very spicy take a little bit. You know, prior first year head coach, this and that. Yo, why buy into TCU when we could be buying into? You know, Oklahoma State, where like you could have gave every reason of why TCU wouldn't have been as good as they were or as great as they were. I don't even want to downplay the type of season they had. They were a great team this year. Um, just couldn't put the icing on the cake, but it happens. I mean, Ohio State was a pretty decent team, couldn't put the icing on the cake uh in the final regular season game. So, you know, um, not everybody's able to make it through that grind, but they they had a great season. I mean, 12 and one, make it to the Big 12 championship within they had the game in their graphs, so I so, feel like yeah, I feel like my legacy is on the line on December thirty first. Like I know I already know I'm not gonna say names, but I already know people that have the game circled and are waiting and like hoping for like thirty one to seven. Yeah, just so they could say, see, I told you so. I think we have one of the same even though, even though to be fair, I never predicted TCU was gonna be in the college football playoff. It'll just be one of those things where they'll just be like, see, I told you they sucked. Yeah, but you just all you did was say they were gonna win the Big Twelve. You never said the Big Twelve champ yeah. or whatever was gonna make the playoffs. You just said, Look, I think TCU is gonna like, I was like, Listen, this team's gonna be way better than people expect them to be, and here we are. So Yeah, so you, when you're right, you're right. And and you tried to tell me preseason, I didn't follow, I thought you was a little crazy. Um, you tried you to know, tell crazy is my second favorite bet preseason in the Big Twelve was Kansas State, and I chose to take TCU instead of Kansas State. You were, yeah. I should have taken. I should have just sprinkled a little bit on both, and then I could have watched the game and just had fun. Yeah, and been like, oh, regardless, I'm I'm cashing out regardless because dude, I had three, I had three, I had three futures, fifteen to one or higher, make conference championship weekend, and all three lost. Ah. Uh. See, so getting right there, that that's got. I had Ohio twenty-five to one, and all they had to do was beat Toledo. And they, yeah, they couldn't. And again, I hedged out and made a good bit of money, but but. Yeah, it could have been a lot sweeter. I'd like to win. I'd like to win. I would have made more money if I would have won. Yeah, one hundred percent. So we're gonna close out here. Uh, We appreciate everybody for tuning in, listening. Sorry if this was more of a casual show than normal um bowl games will be played by the next time we record so we'll be able to go over those and we'll start really diving into the semifinal we'll hear you know throughout the weekend how the first week basically of practice and who's looking hot and and game plans and things like that the coaches have already spoken a little bit um they've had like their media sessions so we'll be hearing how practice is going and what to expect and this and that injury reports are coming out we know who's we know who's projected to play and not playing ohio state got a couple guys that thought we possible could have played um, that aren't playing. So we'll get into all of that next week, but I appreciate, we appreciate everybody for tuning in, listening. Make sure you subscribe to us at Phil Stormers podcast at substack.com. Um, You know, it'll send straight to your emails. We appreciate the support. We appreciate everybody for tuning in and we will catch y'all next week on another episode of Phil Stormers.